The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Now, 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 it's the Ellis Martin Report. If you stay tuned, you'll hear expert insight, commentary, and potential financial opportunity. If you don't, you're just another chump in a cruel, unfeeling world. Is it strange that companies featured on this program have given us cash money to be portrayed here? No way. They want you to know what's going on. So get some on you, my babies. Some of the analyst segments are sponsored as well. Ellis Martin may have a financial position in issues mentioned on this program. Whatever. I'm telling you now so you don't ask me later. If you're new to the show, your brain is probably still smallish. Don't freak out, though. We can fix it. Just listen to the show and catch us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. Here's the host of the Ellis Martin Report. Ellis Martin. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with the president of Wellgreen Platinum, Greg Johnson. Wellgreen trades on the TSX as WG and on the OTCQX as WGPLF. Wellgreen has just released their 2015 preliminary economic assessment report, and we'll talk about that. Greg, welcome back to the program. Well, it's great to be back. Wellgreen just released their preliminary economic assessment technical report. It's extensive. In fact, it can be downloaded in its entirety as it's posted on the top of the homepage to your website, wellgreenplatinum.com. To summarize, though, what does this report essentially mean for the company? Well, I think many of your listeners, if they're not as familiar with the mining space, may be familiar with similar types of businesses where we go through these various studies and engineering concepts to, to get to a product that's up and producing cash flow. So kind of like a, a biotech, if you will, phase one, phase two, phase three. We've just published a study that documents the economics and the production level of our project that we then take on to the next two levels of engineering to get to a feasibility and make a financing and construction decision on bringing it to market. And so this is a pretty exciting development. It's a second engineering study that's been done on the project. We more than doubled the size of our resources last year on the project area. So huge development in taking the uh, understanding on our total metal in the ground. So that's platinum, palladium, nickel, copper, and, and some other metals all in an open pit deposit. And what this study shows is not only is this a very large system that has you know excellent infrastructure up in the Yukon, paved highways, and existing ports, but because of the nature of the deposit and the high grades right at surface, we're able to use open pit mining, which is our lowest cost type of mining, to develop this at relatively modest capital investment. And this could potentially become the second largest platinum producer in North America after Stillwater and could be the third or fourth largest nickel project as well. So it's really quite exciting to have these new numbers coming out and and to see the the project evolve in the direction that we've seen. I'm looking at your corporate presentation, which once again is available on the homepage of wellgreenplatinum.com, and it easily opens as a PowerPoint. It's very extensive as well, yet easy to scroll through 
and understand. Taking a look at slide 26, showing a comparison chart with potential peer companies in the space. Companies like Hud Bay, Stillwater, Lundin, New Gold, Agnico Eagle, Impala, etc. With Wellgrain not being in production currently and with its present small market cap, when attention again returns to the sector and heads towards the final stages of beginning production and then producing, this could be what we in the journalist space like to refer to as a potential 10 or 20 banger. Now, I said that. You didn't say it, Greg. Explain to our audience, if you will, the mechanism for something like that to take place. Well, if you take a look at the chart that you're referring to, it's, it's basically showing how much cash flow or EBITDA is the technical term, operating cash flow before taxes. And if you look at that and compare the producing companies, you get a pretty good sense of what the market valuation, if you will, for the amount of cash flow you produce. So you know, sometimes we see that shown as price per earnings and other types of metrics. And you know, this particular chart is highlighting other well-known names, I listed some of them you know, in the mining space. And it shows that these are companies that have billion, two billion, three billion dollar valuations. Some of them are even larger. And when you look at what this study that's just been posted on Walgreens shows, is that this is an asset that has the potential to generate more than $300 million a year in operating cash flow or, or EBITDA. And so once up in producing, a company like that would likely have a market cap in excess of a couple of billion dollars. And so you do the math with a $50 million market cap today, that difference in value is kind of that potential upside that an investor may see if we're successful in advancing the project over the next couple of years to feasibility and then building the mine and bringing it into production. So it's a couple of years out. We're clearly in that growth phase. But it just highlights what a significant asset the Wellgreen Platinum deposit is in terms of its ability to produce cash flow. And one of the things that's also highlighted in the study is it doesn't just produce that cash flow for just a couple of years, but this mine has in the base case a 25-year mine life. And under the kind of upside opportunities that were identified in the study, it shows that we may be able to either continue at that level of production for another 20 years by mining deeper into the existing resource or expand production. And under some of those scenarios, you could see as much as nearly a half a million ounces a year of platinum and palladium production from this asset, which would make it one of the very largest in the world. I'm doing some math in my head right now, and based on what you just said, I'm coming up with a broad figure of the Wellgreen asset being worth anywhere from 6 to $10 billion over the course of its mine life. Based on the math, so what your comparison that you're doing is you're saying, well, what's a company out there like New Gold or Lundin Mining or Stillwater trading at? And those companies, on average, are trading at 14 times earnings on an enterprise value per cash flow or EBITDA basis. And so when you take Wellgreen and you say, our average from our base case is $300 million a year in cash flow, if it was 10 times earnings and so not as high as the average, you'd be looking at about a $3 billion company. We still have to continue the engineering studies. We have to build this mine and bring it into production before you would get that type of value. You're clearly not going to trade at that today, but that is a reasonable estimate for what the Wellgreen asset might look like once it's up in production in a few years down the road. Have PGMs previously been of interest to the investing community? PGMs are quite interesting because of this scarcity component. Many people aren't aware that 80 to 90% of the world's platinum and palladium come out of either Southern Africa or Russia. So there's a very, very strong concentration in fairly high political risk countries for the world's platinum and palladium. And the main uses for platinum and palladium, besides many people are aware of jewelry and investment and coins, is catalytic converters for automobiles, the things that have helped clear the skies over Los Angeles by implementing that technology in their cars, that metal, the catalytic metal that's in your exhaust pipe is made of platinum and palladium. And that's really been the big driver in terms of use of these metals 
since really the mid-1980s, but many people are concerned about the, the supply. Where is that metal going to come from? Where is the growth? And surprisingly, many people are not aware that even though the demand has continued to grow pretty much year on year since the mid-80s, that supply has been falling the last eight to 10 years, particularly out of South Africa and Russia. And so it's set up this near kind of perfect storm for higher potential prices in the future where the supply is not meeting total demand and those markets are in deficit. In other words, the global demand is using more metal than is mined every year. And so at some point, either we have to see new mines come on stream or we're going to see those metal prices go higher and, and potentially significantly higher. I have to ask you this question. Even though platinum and palladium may in fact be the original so-called green metals due to their use in catalytic converters going back to the 70s. Doesn't the advent and market growth of hybrid technology in automobiles offset the potential upsurge for use of these metals? Well, as the industry has evolved and technology improves, we've been seeing a process where the amount of platinum and palladium used in a catalytic converter has gone down as they've improved their design. But as the environmental standards have risen, the amount of catalytic activity you need has gone up. So on balance, we've seen about a 4 to 5% global increase in demand year on year. So that's going to be a combination of population growth, more automobiles, and higher standards. And most analysts see that the continued growth in demand, particularly out of the developing world for automobiles, the fact that we're going to be implementing catalytic converters on large vehicles, the trucks, the diesel trucks, which use even larger catalytic converters, and that some of the future technology like fuel cells demands even more platinum and palladium for the catalytic activity in those vehicles, leads one to believe that we're going to continue to see growth in these metals for the foreseeable future, and that even with other technologies that might not use as much, you got more units out there, so effectively that's likely to continue. You touched on Russia and Southern Africa earlier. What kinds of issues do you have in those areas that we just don't see in the Yukon jurisdiction? Well, you know, the big concerning always in mining is if you put all this time and investment and capital into the ground to build a mine, you don't have the ability to move your mine anywhere. It's where the deposit is. And so can you make that investment and can you continue to run your business without it being expropriated or being shut down because of taxes or labor disputes or lack of energy? These are all issues that the mining industry faces globally. The Yukon is such a mining-focused jurisdiction. Resource development is the business in the north. It's their number one GDP component. Our project enjoys fantastic infrastructure. We have a paved highway, the Alaska Highway, that goes past the project and two existing ports in southern Alaska that we'll be able to utilize for shipping our products. So we've got one of the best jurisdictions in the world, Canada, for mining, one of the best jurisdictions within Canada, and great First Nations or Native partnership on the project and very strongly supported in terms of for mineral development. So it really is a great jurisdiction for us to be developing our project in and should allow us to move this thing through the permitting process and and bring it to market on a timely basis. Let's address members of our listening audience that have not involved themselves in mining concerns previously and are quite simply put investors looking for opportunity across many sectors, having done well in biotech perhaps or tech stocks in general. And then let's also speak to those folks that have been burned in the past with regard to mining investments. Why should we take a look at a mining company right now and or a stock? What about the cyclical nature of metals? And again, I'm going to reference a chart on page 31 of your corporate presentation. I think one of the first points if you're looking at the sector is to remember mining is the ultimate in cyclical industry. But what does that mean? We go through these metal price cycles. There have 
always been cycles. There always will be cycles. And these are periods in which the metal prices, because of supply-demand dynamics, go up, and then during depressed periods, go down. And what happens during those periods is small companies, large companies, development stage companies, exploration companies all reflect where you are in the cycle. This presents a tremendous opportunity for investors who are, maybe they've done very well in certain sectors, they're looking to rebalance their portfolio, they're looking for things that are low-priced on a fundamental basis. And when the mining cycles go through these extreme lows like we are in right now, this current cycle, as shown on the chart that you mentioned, is one of the longest and deepest in the last 30 to 40 years. So the valuations, whether you're looking at large producers or or mid-sized companies or growth companies like ourselves, are all extremely depressed, particularly the development stage companies are down 75 to 90% over the last four to five years of this bear market cycle. Historically, what we see as you come out of the bottom of that cycle, as metal prices get to their trough levels, which we've seen here for the last couple of years, is we see that this is a sector that can see 200, 300, even 400% gains off of those lows over the next up part of the cycle. And because of the length and depth of the current cycle that we're in, many analysts are are looking out and saying the next cycle will be coming. And we don't know precisely the timing, but we can look back to say that historically, the other side of this cycle can be quite generous for investors. And if you can position yourself into high quality names at these attractive levels, this is one of those once in a decade type buying opportunities for people to be looking at the mining space. Can a company like Wellgreen with one of the largest PGM projects in North America, in fact, lead the sector when attention comes back to the sector? Definitely, there are many of these times, I've been through about three of these cycles in in my career, there's many times where we'll see the development stage names because we tend to be bigger swings in price than what you see with the, the producers who are more stable. They still go through these dramatic compression and rebound pricing, but oftentimes because it can be more extreme for the pre-production companies such as ourselves, we'll see that these high-quality development stage names can lead the next swing in the market. But at this point, there's not a lot of enthusiasm out there. I think this is still one of those periods in which you just quietly pick away build positions at attractive prices. And then what can be surprising is how quickly the market can then move to the upside once that sentiment starts to swing, once we start to see the metal prices kicking in and moving into higher levels. And at the current prices for copper, under $3 a pound, for gold in the $11, $1,200 range, platinum in the $11, $1,200 range, these are dramatically below their previous high points. And I think great entry levels for, for people to be taking a look at in, in anticipation of that next up leg that will come in our very cyclical business. Let's discuss Wellgreen's share structure. It appears to be very attractive. We're quite tightly structured, particularly for the size of our resource and our asset. We've got about 112 million shares outstanding. So that means you get a lot of exposure to pounds of nickel and ounces of platinum and palladium in our projects. Typically, what we see uh, in a development stage name like ours, we have some charts in, in the presentation that highlight this, is as you move into phase two to phase three, in other words, PEA to pre-feasibility to feasibility, we typically see the market revalue the these companies as you de-risk them and become moving closer towards cash flow. So if we look at trading values today to give an indicator of that, the producers are trading at around $200 of enterprise value or their market value per ounce of gold that they have or platinum that they have in the ground. The average advanced development stage company is trading at around $50 an ounce in the ground. So you can see it 
trades at a steep discount to what it would be in production. And then the earlier development stage where we currently are averages around $20 an ounce on the ground. So that progression as you advance takes about a year or two for each stage, you know, demonstrates that the market pays more as you get closer to cash flow and ultimately when you get into production. For Wellgreen today, we're trading at about $4 an ounce if you don't include our nickel and copper. We're trading at about $2 an ounce if you include the base metal value. So very attractively valued at this point for a high-quality asset in a low-risk political jurisdiction. And based on my experience at, at Nova Gold and with the other companies I've been involved in, and over the next couple of years as we check off these boxes and finish these studies and advance the company toward construction decision, you would typically see that same kind of pattern of revaluation as we advance towards production and ultimate cash flow. Speaking of the next couple of years, Greg, what kind of news flow can we expect? Well, it's going to be an exciting year for us. Uh, this is our year of pre-feasibility studies, and so refining the studies that went into this updated economic assessment that we just posted, we will be looking to kick off drilling here in the next month or two on the project, so there's going to be a lot of steady news coming out of that. We're undertaking new New studies looking at opportunities to improve the recovery of our metals. So I expect we'll be announcing updates along the way on that. And then we'll be looking to bring in the rare PGMs into the resource, as well as looking at updating the resources globally in terms of being able to prepare to put the first proven and probable reserves on this project, probably in the first half of next year. Well, Greg, I sincerely appreciate the update on Well Green Platinum. Thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to further updates as you have them on this program. It was great talking with you again. Thanks a lot for having us. I've been speaking with Greg Johnson, president of Wellgreen Platinum, trading on the TSX as WG and on the OTCQX as WGPLF. Listen to this segment again on our website, ellismartreport.com, and download the entire program on iTunes. Unless your brain is the size of a watermelon, like mine, you'd probably like to hear these segments again and again and again. Find us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me for an interview with Dr. Donald Kramer, the chairman of Noblest Health Corp., trading on the TSX under the symbol NHC.to. Nobles Health strategically partners with physicians in the development and management of ambulatory surgical centers or ASCs with the mission of providing superior medical care, increased patient satisfaction, and lower cost for healthcare delivery. Nobles under its previous name Northstar Healthcare recently acquired Athos Health for $34 million. Athos based in Dallas focused on the marketing and delivery of specialized healthcare services in 7 states. Dr. Kramer, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Ellis. Looking forward to working with you. If you don't mind, review your background with our audience. Ellis, I'm a medical doctor who believes that we're here to serve the needs of our patients. I've been fortunate to train at some of the most prestigious institutions in our country, Stanford and Harvard, and the medical care that's rendered at these very large medical centers is outstanding. But the patient experience has been so often institutionalized. And over the last 25 years or so that I've been in medical practice, I focused upon creating care models that offer patients the same level of sophistication and standards that we have at the prestigious university hospitals, but also are focused in offering our patients an experience that's really second to none. My own training is as an anesthesiologist, or in Canada they call us anesthetist, who care for patients with severe and chronic pain. I'm a chronic pain medicine specialist. Patients place a great deal of trust into physicians and certainly into the hands of myself and colleagues. That's why I've been so proud to work with the team at Nobilis 
because they absolutely share my commitment to our patients. What has been your vision for Nobilis moving forward? In addition to being an anesthesiologist, I've been a partner in a development team that's now developed over 40 surgical centers and surgical hospitals. And I've had a chance to see firsthand how technology has really moved our industry forward so that now surgery is much less invasive than it was 25 years ago. Scopes have largely replaced scalpels. So if you've ever had knee surgery or shoulder surgery, you know that those joint repairs are done through scopes and we really only open a joint if we're going to replace a joint. As a result, patients have quicker recovery times, better outcomes, and better healing. Now we're seeing the same technology technology allowing surgeons to operate on spines through small scopes rather than through large incisions or even taking colons out, believe it or not, through scopes. And in the area of spine surgery, we're now doing disc replacements through scopes. So if you mix that technologic development with the fact that there are simple surgical solutions for what have been chronic medical problems such as obesity, the opportunities for Nobilis to offer these solutions are enormous. So as I referred to chronic obesity as an issue for which our patients have largely struggled unsuccessfully to overcome, they can often be cured with a weight loss procedure that takes less than an hour. And our patients go home the same day. Many patients who suffer from chronic back pain or migraine headaches, two of the most common widespread and debilitating conditions, can frequently be cured by repairing a problem through a minimally invasive and relatively simple procedure. That must come as a relief potentially to many afflicted by these pain-related ailments. Think of it this way. Pain is always carried by a nerve up to our brain where that pain signal is recognized. Often that pain signal starts from something pressing on a nerve. It may be in the foot, it may be in the back, or in the case of headaches, the nerves in the scalp, sort of like a thorn sticking a nerve. And if you can remove the thorn, then the pain goes away. That is so much of what we do in these surgical procedures where we remove the offending thorn and the results are profound. We get tremendous relief of chronic pain with a simple procedure through a scope. Certainly that's contributed to the success of Noblest Surgical Centers. I imagine that the positive experience that your patients are having as a result has also spawned much of the growth in the business as well. Right. That's absolutely true. Nobilis is a successful company in a very successful industry. When I graduated medical school 34 years ago, only 15% of all the surgeries were done on an outpatient basis. That means patients going home on the same day as a procedure. Last year in the United States, more than 70% of all patients having surgery go home the same day. And in my own field of anesthesia, it's no longer necessary for someone to spend a night in the hospital to recover from their anesthetic. So in terms of the growth of the industry, it's been moved forward by the growth of technology and the simplicity of our procedures. But at Nobilis, the growth of our company has occurred largely because we've offered patients just a fantastic experience. Which, as you stated earlier in this interview, has always been the foundation of your initial goals. My motivation has always been to give my patients that great experience, something which I was unable to control when I provided care at the large general hospital. And that's why I have preferred the dedicated outpatient center or the small boutique surgical hospital, if you may. There are fewer administrative procedures for either myself or my patients. The cases never get bumped for emergencies. And superbug infections are very, very rare in the outpatient facility as compared to the general hospital. It's almost 
like the difference of flying on a private jet versus economy class on a big plane. My motivation has never changed, but the patient experience just seems to get better and better year after year at the dedicated outpatient facilities. What are your responsibilities specifically with regard to being chairman of Nobilis? Well, beyond the oversight and fiduciary responsibilities that are inherent for any company that publicly trades their stock, my goal is to help the management and the execution of their strategic plan. In the case of Nobilis, I'm colored by my roots as an anesthesiologist, whereby my job has always been to be best supporting actor to our surgeons and to their patients. I felt that if I can do that well in a management organization, then we would continue to enjoy our reputation among our peers as the preferred hospitals and surgical centers for our surgeons and for their patients. The model which we have adopted over the years has been heavy in marketing, which quite honestly is fascinating to me. There's no doubt that healthcare is an industry which is rapidly transforming. We're seeing a rapid move to consumerism, whereby our patients are deciding for themselves which doctors they want to see and the care that they want to receive. Patients are increasingly educated about their medical conditions, and they're wanting to be treated as partners in making decisions. Often when a patient sees me, they may have researched out their condition on the Internet or through support groups that are in the Internet, and they know more about the issues of their conditions than I had seen 10 or 15 years ago. That is the noblest view towards marketing. We're trying to help our consumers or our patients develop an awareness of their choices, and we do that by providing them with the latest data and information, and hopefully that builds a relationship of trust, and when they're ready to seek care, or at least a second opinion, that they look to a noblest doctor. In the case of the noblest branded programs, such as our North American Spine or Migraine Treatment Centers, we're told that the patient experience and the comprehensive nature of our care far exceeds what's offered anywhere else. Of that, I'm very, very proud. So, for example, the average number of contacts that a patient may have with our patient educators, or we call them patient coordinators, is typically more than 10 discussions prior to coming into the office. Most physicians' offices are not set up to offer patients that type of portal of interface, that level of education and insight in helping patients decide what choices they want to make for their own care. So you've been basically changing the way medicine is being practiced in this arena. That's a question of our core mission and values, of which I'm very proud, which is that we are largely educators in helping our patients make decisions for themselves. How do you maintain a high quality of service as Nobles grows? As the physician on the leadership team, that's my personal responsibility. We need to be sure that we continue to deliver on the promise of our brand, and we've embedded a very patient-centric view of life in every one of our employees in our organization. Our leaders have to be brand ambassadors, and we've created an environment that's allowed us to attract top surgeons. For example, our orthopedic surgeons are the surgeons for many of the major league sport teams. Many of our surgeons work as instructors at the medical schools, and they've allowed us to attract some of their top graduates to practice at the noblest facilities. We need our surgeons to act as champions in helping us recruit the other surgeons and physicians that would make them proud. That's been our winning formula. Dr. Kramer, it's been a pleasure to have been able to speak with you today. Thanks so much for joining me on the program. You're so kind. Thank you for allowing me. I've been chatting with Dr. Donald Kramer, chairman of Nobilis Health, trading on the TSX under the symbol NHC. Type in NHC. 
Listen to the segment again on our website, ellismartreport.com, or download the Ellis Martin Report in its entirety on iTunes. We'll be right back. The Ellis Martin Report is sponsored by El Tigre Silver Corp., trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS.V and on the OTCQX as EGRTF. Silver has been considered a precious metal for 6,000 years and currency since 600 B.C. It's been commercially mined in Mexico since 1530 in mineral prolific and mining-friendly Sonora State. El Tigre's properties with gold and silver mining concessions span 215 square kilometers, or 83 square miles. With an attractive share structure and a strong, proven management team, El Tigre Silver Corp. is poised to identify a resource in an area that from 1903 to 1938 produced 75 million ounces of silver and 380,000 ounces of gold. Additionally, their tailing stockpile is currently progressing to production. Learn more about El Tigre Silver Corp. by visiting their website, eltigresilvercorp.com, or click through El Tigre's logo on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. We offer expert opinions only. Find them on our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. And we're back. Join me now for a conversation with Chris Lloyd, the CEO of Nobilis Health, trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol NHC.to. Nobilis Health strategically partners with physicians in the development and management of ambulatory surgical centers, or ASCs, with the mission of providing superior medical care, increased patient satisfaction, and lower cost for health care delivery. Nobilis, under its previous name North Star Healthcare, recently acquired Athos Health for $34 million. Athos, based in Dallas, focused on the marketing and delivery of specialized health care services in seven states. Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. The key to any successful business is providing a service or product that consumers actually need, and then the marketing of that commodity. Healthcare is always going to be such a service as long as there are human beings on the planet. Noblest has been extraordinarily successful in bringing their message to the marketplace. Well, absolutely. I think that healthcare in general is always going to be important. What's happening now is people are starting to take more control of their healthcare decisions. That's driven by a few factors. Number one, healthcare is becoming more expensive on an individual basis. People, instead of just listening to their primary care doc, direct them and blindly following recommendations, are starting to do their own research, starting to make more informed decisions. And we feel like that marketing is what helps empower people to make these decisions on a more informed basis. And so when you use the term marketing for us, we're doing direct response. And basically what we're doing is answering questions and helping people make, like I said before, informed choices. For example, if you're having chest pains and you go see your primary care doc, that doc says, hey, you need to go see Dr. Smith and figure out what's going on with your heart. You're going to do that, but you're probably also going to go home and get in front of your computer and and type chest pain into Google and try to get informed as to what's going on. We feel like that Nobilis is positioned for that continued evolution of people trying to make sure that they're getting the most cost-effective treatments available for all different types of pathologies. So you're dedicating significant resources into search engine optimization, etc., to position Nobilis in the areas that you serve. And you're also budgeting advertising dollars in order to educate the public to the fact that if you have certain common ailments, Nobilis is perhaps the go-to place for treatment. That's correct. We are spending a lot of money online, and specifically, we are spending money for spine pain, migraine headache pain, different podiatry or foot options, bariatrics, primarily around weight loss, and we're 
starting an endeavor into GYN, specifically minimally invasive hysterectomies. So, you know, Google is a big line item. And again, if you're suffering from some sort of issue that is making you reach out and try to understand what's going on with your body and, and what the different options are, hopefully you're going to see us. So if you type in low back pain, there's a good chance you're going to see one of the noblest brands, which would be North American Spine or the Cure Spine brand. And hopefully we've done a good job of putting information out there that is compelling if you fit. But that's the key. We have a very narrow box. The docs tell us these are the people we can treat. And so it's our job to market around the clinical requirements because those are what comes first. The days of attempting to find a doctor through the Yellow Pages are waning, if not gone, aren't they? That's correct. Those days are, are largely over. And, and to some extent, the days of a single point of contact and a primary care physician are getting past us as well. People are going direct to specialists, and th that's a bit of a change, but it's a fairly predictable one in that we live in a, a very short attention span society, and so people want to know right now what's going on with me and, and how do I address it, and they're not generally willing to wait through the typical system of referrals and your primary care doc sending you to his golfing buddy. This program is heard all over North America. I know that Noblis is based in Dallas, Houston, and the Phoenix areas. How can a listener to this segment that is not living in these cities, who is intrigued and perhaps interested not only as a possible investment opportunity, but in fact getting treatment, benefit in markets outside of those that you serve? Well, historically, on the APHIS side, uh, about 80% of our patients have traveled and specifically have gotten on a plane. That's how we track that, have taken a plane ride to receive treatment at one of our centers. Now, our footprint is continually expanding. We think that will continue to happen over the next few years. So we're hoping to make those plane rides shorter. We're trying to cover the large metropolitan areas in the United States. But for now, certainly the types of procedures that we're providing and that our partner physicians are providing are the types that you can travel for. So we don't endeavor to be in, we talked about cardiac earlier, but we're not doing anything in cardiac. Those treatments don't lend themselves well to patients that may need to travel. Same thing with cancer. We're talking more episodic care where you come in, you have a mentally invasive surgery with a short recovery, you get back on a plane and get home and get on with your life. And so for now, I think it's important to know that the the people that are reaching out to us, the solutions that we're putting out to the public lend themselves well to people traveling. But in the same breath, I'm telling you that we are expanding our footprint. And we currently, between the Nobilis owned and managed facilities and the facilities with which we have contracts, we're covering a good swath of the U.S. population. Let's talk about the tremendous revenue increase during last year. Is that due to the acquisition of North Star and then Noblis's ability to grow the business, serving the public? Well, it's both. I mean, North Star was doing great before they purchased Athos. We didn't close on that purchase until the very beginning of, of December was when we officially announced it. North Star, when you look at their year over year without us, they were doing quite well. And I think similarly, Athos, we had a good growth trajectory and, and that was continuing. I think combined, it becomes very interesting because you see that the two companies, the synergies between them are very, very, very competitive both from an investment standpoint and an operation standpoint. So I think that you would have seen great numbers out of North Star without us. I think as a combined entity, the future is very bright. Let's talk about the combined entity of Chris Lloyd and Noblis. Let's track that history. 
Okay. Well, I had known the North Star folks, Dr. Kramer and Harry Fleming, for quite a few years, actually. We had worked with North Star back in 2010. We parted ways, not because things went bad. It was because North Star was growing, and the facility that we were working at didn't have the capacity to serve our patients. So we parted ways, but stayed in touch, and specifically we stayed in touch when North Star tried to poach a few APHIS employees to further bolster their marketing efforts. Those employees decided to stay, but I just picked up the phone and called Harry Fleming, their president, and said, hey, we think we're going to get into the facility ownership game. It looks like you guys are trying to get better at marketing. Let's see if there's a deal here. And there was a deal there, and we closed it 30 days later. Looking ahead for 2015-2016, what's your plan? 2015 is going to be exciting regardless. Just the combined entity is so compelling from a revenue and earnings standpoint. And I think in your interview with Harry a week or so ago, he talked about some of the mechanics of why the combination is so accretive. We will continue to look at selective M&A opportunities. Like I said before, we're going to try to expand our footprint. We will increase our marketing spend. A big part of hitting our 2015 numbers is pulling the legacy North Star marketing activities under the APHIS brand or under the APHIS operations in hopes of providing a better return on investment on those marketing dollars. That's well underway. We're already seeing the fruits of some of those labors. So for this year, I think you can kind of say that we're just going to keep on doing what we did in 2014, and we think it's going to get us to some pretty impressive numbers for 2016 and beyond. There's going to be some M&A. There's going to be increased marketing spend. We're always going to be on the lookout for new verticals. I mentioned GYN that we're getting into. We're really excited about that. There's always two or three different verticals that we're evaluating at a given time. How are you integrating with the new rules and regulations regarding Obamacare? Well, Obamacare is a net positive for Nobilis because really, at the end of the day, it boils down to more insured people, and that's who we serve people generally with commercial insurance. That's just a larger population. What I think the other driver that Obamacare provides for us is the fact that people's out-of-pocket is generally, they're really going to pay more on average than they did prior to Obamacare. It is not necessarily for insured folks a cost saver because companies are going to put, as they get on these exchanges, they're going to put more of the financial responsibilities on employees. What that does is make people better shoppers and they endeavor to be more informed shoppers of healthcare. And so we feel like those two things are great outcomes for Obamacare. We're excited about it. Whether or not we believe it's good for the quality of care in the United States long term, that's another question and probably not relevant for this discussion. But absolutely, it's providing more people with commercial health care and pushing them to be better consumers and more informed consumers, which plays right within what we're doing. Chris, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today and learning more about Noblest Health. Thanks for joining me on the program. Hey, thank you. I've been speaking with Chris Lloyd, CEO of Noblest Health, trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol NHC.to. That's NHC.to. Listen to the segment again on our website ellismartinreport.com. Hey, this is Cool Voice Guy. Would you like to hear all of that again? Go to the podcast page of our website. That's ellismartinreport.com. ellismartinreport.com. Otherwise known as ellismartinreport.com. Join me now for an interview with Vance Wells, the Chief Operating Officer of Noblest Health Corporation, trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol NHC.to. Noblest Health strategically partners with physicians in the development and management of ambulatory surgical centers, or ASCs, with the mission of providing superior medical care, increased patient satisfaction, and lower costs for healthcare delivery. Noblest, under its previous name North Star Healthcare, recently acquired Aethis Health, 
for $34 million. Athis, based in Dallas, focused on the marketing and delivery of specialized healthcare services in seven states. Vance, welcome to the program. Thanks, Alex. Pleasure to be here. For those new to your company, please give us a snapshot of Noblis. Well, Noblis Health is an operator of uh, surgical facilities. We specialize in direct patient marketing in addition to the obvious surgical services we provide. What really sets us apart, I believe, is our focus on patient service and the patient experience. We strive to deliver excellent service to patients all the way through their contact with us from the first time that they call with a question about, for example, back pain through you know, an in-depth back and forth, an exchange of information to determine what are their treatment options, might they be eligible for a minimally invasive procedure, what are their insurance benefits look like, what will their insurance cover, what would their out-of-pocket costs be. We're really taking the mystery out of that process for a lot of patients and making them feel comfortable and giving them the time and the opportunity to ask all of their questions. That's something that a lot of times is missing from the traditional healthcare experience. You've created a brand name through marketing and also a perception of great service. So potential patients know what to expect when they pick up the phone to dial Nobilis. Is that not correct? Well, absolutely. I think that a lot of people consider, they think about marketing as, you know, you put up a website and you have an ad on Google and that's marketing. Really for us, that is just the tip of the spear. The real service that we're providing is after the patient has made outreach and contacted us, initiated that process. And so we're going to take as long as the patient needs to take. We're going to have as many points of contact as we need to have. And, you know, in a lot of instances, a lot of times we're talking up to 15 to 20 conversations or interactions between, you know, the first point of contact and any sort of actual treatment. Would you attribute that astounding success to the marketing? Yes, absolutely. We are really trying to kind of harness the power of consumerism in healthcare. You know, I think traditionally a lot of healthcare channels have been driven just simply by the doctor-patient relationship through the sort of evolution of the healthcare system. Physicians are under pressure from insurance companies in terms of reimbursements. They're under pressure to see more and more patients and something's got to give there. And what happens a lot of times, it's just the amount of time they can spend with each individual patient. And it's not necessarily any individual's fault. It's kind of the way the system's evolved. And we're trying to kind of step out of that and say, look, as a consumer, you are taking responsibility for your healthcare. You're bearing more of the cost and you have access to more information than ever before through the internet and other sources. And so we're really harnessing the power of that consumerism in giving people a level of service that they want and the amount of information and the level of comfort to make an informed decision about their health care. Would you also say that additionally, word of mouth also contributes to your bottom line? Oh, absolutely. Uh, We do about 15 to 20 percent of our uh, surgical volume is through referrals. Give us a snapshot of your background and your connection with Nobilis. Sure. I have a bit of an entrepreneurial background. I was an engineer by training in undergrad. I went to business school and got an MBA. I started a business afterwards in the financial data space that had a successful exit to that company and through other channels I met our CEO Chris Lloyd became friends and worked on a couple of projects I invested in a couple of deals with him and so when he got involved in the direct patient marketing business in 2009 he asked me to come and work with him and I was excited about the opportunity to be a part of a rapidly changing landscape in healthcare and I was very excited about the opportunity to start a business that actually had a positive impact on people's lives there's a very altruistic aspect to this business in that we're providing hope and better treatment to a lot of patients. So you and CEO Chris Lloyd were in large part responsible for making Athis an attractive acquisition target for Northstar. 
which became Nobilis, correct? Absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, it's a team effort here, and we've put together a very talented group of individuals. We were actually voted one of the best places to work in Dallas in the last couple of years, and so we're very proud of the atmosphere that we've created here and the talent we've managed to attract. We've always had the attitude that if we are able to help more and more patients, if we do the right thing and remember that our ultimate customer is the patient, that we would create value for our owners, our shareholders, and that we would be an attractive target for uh, an acquirer. Speaking of targets, what are your targets for 2015 and 2016? with regard to exponential growth of the company? Well, 2015 is really about blocking and tackling for us. We're obviously integrating two organizations and kind of figuring out where everyone fits and the best way to move forward in our different business lines. The financials in 2015 are going to see a really big pickup from the APHIS acquisition as well as having a full year of First Street Hospital and the Scottsdale ASC. So we expect really strong organic growth in 2015 just by nature of kind of the maturation of some of the things that have happened in 2014. In 2016, we expect to be able to continue that growth through probably some acquisitions as well as organic growth in our marketing efforts. We'll be growing the various business lines and probably starting up some new ones. Now, we broadcast in some of the Sunbelt areas of the country. Let's talk about Phoenix, a snowbird retirement community in part if you will. I imagine there's plenty of growth in that particular service area of Nobilis's. Absolutely. Phoenix has been a strong market for us ever since we started there. As you mentioned, the demographics are very favorable, especially for the spine business. We also have drawn a lot of interest from Southern California, having an innovative treatment available close to that population center. Are you planning on expanding into the Coachella Valley or Palm Springs area here in California? We look at opportunities like that on an opportunistic basis. There's a lot that goes into the decisions to expand. I think in 2015, as I said, we're focused on kind of organic growth and integration, but we are looking for acquisition targets. I don't know that Southern California is high on that list necessarily. Well, Vance, I certainly do appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for joining me on the program. Thanks a lot, Alex. Really appreciate it. I've been speaking with Vance Wells, COO of Noblest Health, trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol NHC. To. That's nhc.to. Listen to the segment again on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. Nobilis is a paid sponsor of the Ellis Martin Report. Anna Marnett is the Chief Marketing Officer of Nobilis Health Corporation, trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol nhc.to. Nobilis Health strategically partners with physicians in the development and management of Ambulatory Surgical Centers, or ASCs, with a mission of providing superior medical care, increased patient satisfaction, and lower cost for healthcare delivery. Nobilis, under its previous name North Star Healthcare, recently acquired Athis Health for $34 million. Athis, based in Dallas, focused on the marketing and delivery of specialized healthcare services in seven states. Adam, welcome to the program. Thanks, Ellis. Glad to be here. Give us an idea, if you will, of your background as it relates specifically to marketing. My entire professional background has been rooted in direct-to-consumer marketing and sales, and really that started during college, but my first job out of college was with a national investment management company, and there we marketed direct-to-consumer and B2B as well services that the company offered. From there, I joined a national physician search firm called Merritt Hawkins and Associates. We're the nation's largest physician search and consulting firm. And that entire business was built around a direct to physician marketing as well as facilities. And we consulted with facilities and physician groups across the country. 
country. And from experience I learned throughout those years in marketing, specifically direct marketing, I started two real estate investment and finance companies, all built around generating leads directly from consumers. And so it's a pretty broad industry base that I come from, but I've been able to bring that knowledge along with some of my past healthcare knowledge into Nobilis Healthcare. What was the deciding factor in your decision to focus on healthcare? Part of it was the economy and part of it was I knew the CEO, Chris Lloyd. In fact, at the time, we both had real estate investment companies. The opportunity arose to start the APHIS companies. Chris knew that I had background consulting in healthcare and physician groups along with that marketing experience and so we were able to join forces. How important is branding in your business? That's a great question, Ellis. Branding, I look at it two ways. There's the branding aspect that you see with the large healthcare organizations these days, the Baylors, the HCAs who focus most of their effort on branding. We look at it a little bit differently and focus the majority of our efforts in the direct-to-consumer messaging. That is clearly our market. That's what our expertise is. And so though the brand comes along with it, we build that brand after the fact, really, as it relates to getting that message out to the consumer to drive them to our website properties. The consumers are out there looking for a solution to solve their specific problem. They're not necessarily looking for the brand first. They're looking to see what is out there that can provide them the solution. The brand is really secondary to that. So it's your goal to ensure that the Noblest brand shows up when patients are doing a search on whatever ailment they may have that you'll be able to service correct? That's exactly right. So when the consumers are searching for us, we spend a large amount of our marketing budget online. When they're searching for those specific solutions to their problems, they're going to find one of our properties. It's not going to be a nobilis focus. It will be the brand name that is built around that solution. How have your marketing efforts changed since the merger? Something that's great about the merger between the two companies is that we had a head start on North Star from a marketing perspective. We've simply been doing it for longer. And as they acquired us and we brought their brands into our marketing platform, we've been able to integrate it quickly. And since we have an end-to-end concierge model, from the very first time we generate leads, we have a very thorough process where the patients are managed through our system all the way actually past surgery. And so we're able to just plug those brands right into the marketing operations and the sales operations. So we're able to take that expertise and leverage it quickly with those brands. What will patient care and boutique surgical centers look like in the years ahead? What is your vision going forward? It's interesting because there's a continued transformation in healthcare and it's becoming more obvious now and we've seen this for several years now, but there's a continued transformation to patients wanting to have more control. And so when making a decision, patients now use multiple channels and those channels are going to continue to expand and many of those channels are at some point different parts of the organization and so operationally the patient journey demands that brands have to be integrated across multiple functions within a business so you can deliver that coordinated and consistent experience and so that's where we have seen healthcare going. It empowers the patient, it helps give them a transparent process and we're going to continue focusing on that so we can plug in new brands to our processes. That's what 
what I think you're going to see. Some hospital systems are starting to finally figure out the importance of delivering relevant messages to their customers, which are their patients, and they've missed that staying the more traditional branding route for their hospital systems, just thinking the patients are going to show up, and that's really no longer the case. And Adam, what's your day-to-day like? What does the Chief Marketing Officer of Noblest do on a regular basis? Overall, as the CMO, I direct all the strategic initiatives for marketing. And so within our organization, the way we structure the team is we have a group of brand managers who report to a brand director. So their day-to-day is to make sure that we're executing on our strategy for each brand. And then running parallel with the brand managers and brand directors are functional groups. So we have an insight team who is constantly doing research on the market. How can we speak very specifically to our patients? Our goal is to communicate one-to-one with the patients. And what I mean by that is each patient has a very specific need. And when they find us, we want to communicate that, assuming we do have a solution, that we are speaking specifically to that individual's need, not an all things to all people. So we spend a lot of time on how can we do this on the front end of our marketing and how can we do that all the way through the process. So the Insight team also helps deliver that content to the patient at various stages. The second functional group there, as far as the team is organized, is the support group from the standpoint of generating the content of copywriters, webmasters, coders for all our web properties. So ultimately, that's how we have it structured. It makes for a very agile marketing team. So when we do bring in a new brand, we can quickly plug that in to that structure and launch it quickly. I've asked this question of other principals in your company. Now I'll ask you, what do you see for an expanded footprint for Noblis outside the areas you currently serve? Most of our growth has been really opportunistic. If we find a facility that makes sense or we have good physician partners that make sense in a location, that can be the driver of it. As we go forward from here, we will more aggressively look to expand that footprint. How marketing relates to that, we're very involved obviously from a marketing standpoint. There are a lot of people within the organization operationally that help us determine what might be a good market. Moving forward into next year, the expansion of our current brands will be aggressive and a lot of that growth too may come from acquiring new facilities as well. What do you think in general accounts for the great success the company has seen? You know, I think looking at the success of what we've been able to build at Athos and the success with the Nobilis facility management and their expertise, they are absolute experts in running facilities, and that blend has really been a great one. But I think that the things from a marketing perspective that are interesting is we've proven that we've been able to build this model that's scalable and repeatable where we can bring in new brands quickly launch them. But just importantly, we've been very measured in building the internal team with the right talent. We have people on the marketing team, the complete integrated marketing team that we've been able to bring over from major national brands in various industries. And that's interesting because you bring talent into the fold that isn't tunnel vision on healthcare, and it helps the team have different viewpoints that you can take advantage of to ultimately build that marketing program. Consequently, that's led to a company culture that is critical, really, to the ultimate success of the company, and so that's been a really fun part of it. Is that a culture that you can spread to the rest of the industry? 
or is your way of running your business proprietary? That's a great question. Well, one, it's a lot of fun because we, being very patient-centric in what we do, those principles have to start internally, and Chris Lloyd has done a fantastic job helping permeate the organization with really that mindset of we have to have people simply with a great attitude that are here to focus on making sure the patient has the absolute best experience possible. And once you see that in action, it's pretty infectious. And so from there, it is pretty easy, I think, to transfer that to the growth of the organization. I've been chatting with Adam Arnett, CMO of Noblest Health, trading on the TSX under the symbol NHC.to. Listen to the segment again on our website, ellismartinreport.com. Contact our sponsor companies directly. They're on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. What? It's over? No, it can't be true! What will I do? What will I say? What? Oh, oh, this. (laughs) Join us next time for the Ellis Martin Report. Remember, this is actually one of those paid programs where companies and individuals pay us to let you hear all about themselves. Then they run right back to work and get jiggy with getting busy. Remember, invest at your own risk. Get more of these powerful programs free on the web at ellismartinreport.com. Go to the website right now, ellismartinreport.com. For Ellis Martin, this is Cool Voice Guy. Ciao, babies. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.